Welcome to the next episode of the FMA podcast. If you're an individual or church looking to take your ministry to the next level, visit freedomministryalliance.org for your next step. We hope you enjoy this episode. I'm not a spiritual father yet. Now, I have spiritual children, right? But I definitely have not taken on that role or mantle as a spiritual father. So I'm not going to talk about that today. I've been tracking with you online, so I know Chad's been doing a great job of that. What I want to talk to you today is about how to be a spiritual son, because I do know something about that. How do you be a spiritual son? How can you know you're a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter? Because if you boil it all down to one thing, it's this statement. Every one of us is a spiritual orphan. Every one of us has been dropped as a baby. We've been hurt by somebody. We've been hurt by churches. We've been hurt by people. We've been hurt by pastors. And Chad's right. We've got to be in relationship with each other. And so if we have that, that, that orphan spirit, and we're all as spiritual orphans, until we realize our identity, until we come back to understanding how we can be a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter, we'll never get to the place where we can be, be a spiritual father. Right? You've got to, it's a process. It's just like growing up. And so I want to talk about that, the now season that we're in. In Romans 8, verse 19 through 23, in verse 22, it says this. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until when? Now. We're in a now season. All of creation is groaning in this now season. We've witnessed it over the last couple of days with these shootings. Right? All of creation is waiting for that. And if we go back to the beginning of these verses, if we read this whole verse in its context, we understand why the earth has been groaning. In verse 19, it says why? The earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits the revealing of the sons of God. All of the earth is waiting for each one of us to say, I'm ready to be a spiritual son. I'm ready to be a spiritual daughter. And we can't be in alignment. Creation can't have healing until we all play our part. So you've got to be a spiritual son. You've got to be a spiritual daughter. You've got to do what it is that God called you to do. You know, and in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus was what? Was with God. (laughs) Was God. Everything was made through him, for him. Nothing was made without him. In him was life, and that life was what? The light of the world, and that no darkness could overcome it. Then the very next verse says, and God sent a man. And that man was John the Baptist. But if we read the Bible the way we're supposed to and put ourselves in that, what it's saying is God sent a grace to do worship at Break Free. God sent a Chad to be a spiritual father. God sent a Barry, right? We put ourselves in those verses because God is saying, this is the person I'm using to do what? The next verse says, to be a witness, testify of the light that that verse was talking about. And so just like jury duty, right? Today's your summons. (laughs) This is your summons. You've got it. It's your chance to either testify or not. And just like jury duty, you can decide to start making excuses now. Well, I can't take off work. Well, I don't have enough money to do this. Well, I've got, I don't want to do that. Well, I didn't like that person, so I wouldn't be good. You have the choice. This is one of those times where you actually get the choice to say, I'm going to take that challenge. I'll step up and be a spiritual son in this season. 
I'll step up and be a spiritual daughter. I'll grow into learn how to be a spiritual father. Because the, the earth is groaning for that. It's crying out for it. You see it in the destruction that we see. This is not flesh and blood that we're fighting against. This is the earth crying out, I need more sons and daughters. And until we can learn that in here, there's no way God's going to send the shooters that are walking in Walmart to us. So we've got to find our place in the kingdom. In, in that same chapter, in Romans 8, I'm going to read this to you, and then we're going to get into some points here. Verse 19 through 23, I'm going to read this. This is actually in the Mirror translation. Mike Swafford does not approve of it, but I do like this translation. It says, Our lives now represent the one event that every creature anticipates, standing on tiptoes as if it were to witness the unveiling of the sons of God. Can you hear the drum roll? That's what it says. Every creature suffered abuse through Adam's fall. We were all discarded like a squeezed out orange. Creation did not volunteer to fall prey to the effect of it, yet within this stark setting, hope prevails. All of creation knows the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And it says, I'm concerned, this is in 2 Corinthians 11:3. I'm concerned for you that you might pine away with this illusion that you were somehow separated from Christ. Believing a lie about yourselves. The truth about your completeness. The I am with the idea of I am not. The shame of thinking that you somehow have to have perfection required. And your works somehow make it possible for you to have a relationship with the Abba that we were singing about. Any idea of separation causes one to wither away in loneliness. And that's why there's no sons and daughters. We're withering away in loneliness. It says, we ourselves feel the grief echo of their groaning within us while we're ready to embrace the original blueprint, the consequent of our sonship. What we already now participate in is the first fruits of the Spirit blooming into what will be a full harvest. The first fruits. You are the first fruits of restoring the entire world. Do you ever think about that? The role that you play? You may say, well, I'm just in this little town in Tennessee, or well, we're just at break free, or we don't, you know, we don't have 5,000 people, or we don't do this. You're a spiritual son or daughter that the earth is literally groaning, begging for you to take your place so you can have a relationship with somebody, so you can have restoration, so God can send them to you. That's huge. If creation's going to be helped, we've got to have a relationship in the context of spiritual fathers, sons, and daughters. There's no other way. Chad's right. There is no way to do it on your own. You cannot. It's impossible. He even used the verse I was going to use that all the hearts would turn to the fathers and all the fathers' hearts would turn to the children's uh, in, uh, children in Malachi 4. See, we always look to spiritual fathers, but rarely do we say, I need to take the responsibility of living as a son. 
I need to take the responsibility of living as a daughter. So I don't know about you. I don't know if you're raising up spiritual sons and daughters. I don't know if you even want to be a spiritual son or daughter. But in my time I've got with you today, I want to give you some uh, tips, kind of like a test. That's what I always like to do. I like to challenge you. I like to leave you with something. I want to give you a test. Just take this with your mental inventory. You don't have to raise your hand. But every go, as we go through these points, does this apply to you? And if not, if you want to be a spiritual son or daughter, make a note, hey, I need to work on that one. Okay? So the first one is this. You'll know... You're a spiritual son or daughter by your passion. You can teach people skills. You can teach people how to work. You can teach people how to hunt. You can teach them how to fit. You can teach people all kinds of things, but you cannot teach passion. It comes from what Chad was talking about, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Without an encounter, you'll never have that kind of passion. You may be able to pretend a little while, right? You may be able to put up with your enemies for a little while, but you're never going to show that kind of passion that it's talking about. It ends up being just cheap talk, right? Sons reveal themselves because they seek out fathers to learn from. Uh, there's a story of a man. His name's Robert Slairdon, and he wrote the book God's Generals and all that. You can go back and check him out later. But the, if you want to look at somebody with passion, this guy started following Lester Summerall, and he wanted to learn from Lester. He wanted to have his anointing. He wanted to be able to do what he did. So he went, started buying a plane ticket, and would fly to his office every week. And he would come in his office and sit down and watch him work all day. And Lester Summerall would never say anything to him, never talk to him, never give him any tips, just watched him work. And at the end of the day, he'd get his briefcase up, he would go, put his hand on his head, he would pray a blessing over him, and he would leave. And then the very next week, he would buy another plane ticket, and he would fly and do it again. Do you think he was passionate about learning from Lester Summerall? I remember last year, I was having a rough time trying to figure out my own purpose and plan and destiny and what I want to do. And, and uh, we only get a certain amount of vacation. And because of that, I would have never done this. But Holly bought me a ticket to a conference that cost a lot of money. And she did not go with me. I went by myself. And out of that conference, God showed me a blueprint of how I could continue to do what I'm doing in the kingdom without having to depend on anybody but him. But, and I'm not bragging about myself, but I'm challenging you. How many of us will sacrifice to really go hard after what we're passionate about? Because passion is contagious. And you, have, you don't even question it. You know someone is passionate. Around September, October, November, January, February, is Chad passionate about something? Right? He's in, a, he's in a tree stand, he's a blind, he's in a something. I mean, even yesterday, we're looking at pictures on a deer camera, but we're not even close to it yet, right? Let's look. Is that one dark? Is that a deer? Is that a six point? Is that an eight point? Let's show it again. So he's passionate about that. There's no, there's no taking that away. He's passionate about preaching, right? Passionate about missions. Passionate about helping people. So this is the kind of passion that I'm talking about, not something that just flies by. The next thing, this is a big one. You'll know you're a spiritual son or daughter by how you serve. 
I know people who only want a job at a church. I've seen them around the world. I've seen them in our own church. They just want a job as a church or a title or a, a paycheck or just to say I work at a church or I'm in the ministry. Or, and I've never seen these people one time outside serving anywhere. You'll know you're a spiritual son or daughter by how you serve. Others will know you're a spiritual son or daughter. A son has no agenda but to value others. Now, Chad's a spiritual father, but when he's on a mission trip with me, he will submit and do anything I ask him to do, just as if he's a person going to my church. He has no problem serving. So ask yourself, how is your serving? How's your heart to serve? I tell a great story when I was teaching the staff. Uh, we were doing some equipping through our July training. We had a fit training, fun, inspiring training. And so we were, I was telling a story about serving, and it's not just how you serve. I mean, it's not just serving. It's how you serve, right? It's that whole spirit of grace. What's the spirit that you're serving in? And I've told this story, so he won't mind, but our, one of our worship guys, Jeremy Leslie, uh, he had some stuff on his back porch, and he needed to clean it off, and he hadn't done it, uh, and it was just kind of sitting back there. And so uh, somebody drove by, and they told him, hey, you need to get this stuff off your porch. Like, this needs to happen now. And so I was standing outside when they were there, and we started laughing about it. And the person said, you, Matt, just help him take the stuff off. Maybe he just don't know how to do it. Maybe whatever. You just help him. And so because I am uh, love to please and love to serve, you know, uh, I'm like, I'll take care of it. You don't worry about it. It won't be there when you come back. And, uh, but I happened to see Jeremy on the porch, and so now I'm yelling at him from my house, and I'm like, it's too late now. You're busted. Like They saw it. So we're joking back and forth. So Holly and I get up the next day, and we go to the gym, and as we're coming back, I said, you know what? I need to take that stuff off for, for Jeremy because, you know, they asked me to do this, and I just need to do it. She's like, you want me to help you? And I'm like, no, I don't want you to help me. I got it. I'm going to surf. So I let her out of the house, and I drive my truck down, and by myself, I start loading all this stuff up. Now, now it's wet because it's been out there for weeks, and so I'm just, you know, I start, I start cussing, and I'm mad, and, you know. <laughs> And then I start complaining, not just about what I'm loading up, but I'm like, you know what? I don't even like when he sings that song. And, you know, now I'm just really getting into it. So I get it all up on the truck, and I take it down. I put it off on the road, and I come back. And, you know, Holly's asking about it. I'm complaining to her. And, and now this is the morning I'm going in to train the staff. And so, uh, you know, I get up to the church. And I get there, and everybody's like, hey, I saw that stuff off Jeremy's. Oh, no, I took care of it. You know, I did it. And so I was, I was using this and did as an example of it. Because here's what happens with us. Did I do what the person asked me to do? Absolutely. Task completed. Got that stuff off, took it down there. It's not there anymore. 100% did exactly what was asked of me. But did I do it with the spirit that was asked of me to do it with? Because we can serve, but are you serving with the spirit that this is asking you to serve with. There's a big difference. I've not always been traveling around the world with Chad and preaching and in missions. Uh, I would beg, beg, let me serve in the three-year-old room when Holly and I first got together. Let's serve in the three-year-old room. I'd write curriculum like these guys were going to seminary, right? <laughs> Dramas, plays, like these are going to be the best three-year-olds we've ever seen at this church. And, but I would beg to serve in those areas. Let me, just let me serve. I was Santa Claus one time at a women's shelter. 
Now, if you want to get loved on, be Santa Claus at a women's shelter. But I would beg to serve in these places. Nobody would have to ask me. I was searching out. Like, how, we, how can we get involved? Oh, they've got a car wash? Let's go do that. Oh, they're doing a dental day? Well, God, I want to do that. I mean, we were passionate about it. We wanted to serve, right? It was something inside of us, that spiritual son or daughter, it was being drawn to the kingdom. And if we don't say yes to those things, eventually you, you stop really feeling it. You stop hearing it. You can't serve two masters, right? Wherever your heart is, there's your treasure. That could be a verse somewhere. There's a, um, you know, I was telling you about people that want a job at a church or a ministry. We have a sweet woman that, that is a volunteer at our church. And to me, that's the epitome of this point of being a spiritual son or daughter. She showed up at our church, moved here because she wanted to be part of our church. So uprooted her family, moved there. Um, and all she asked is, how can I serve? Let, how can I serve? So we just started letting her serve and do things. And so next thing you know, we need somebody at the, as a receptionist out in our uh, connection. But we don't really campaign anyone right now to do that. And we, you know, we don't have a salary for a full-time person. That's okay. Just let me serve. I can do it. I'll do it for free. You don't have to pay me. So she would show up every day. She would sit out there. What do you need me to do? Send an email out to the staff. Anybody need me to do anything, I'll do it for them. And so she'd fill the seat backs with uh, the giving envelopes. She'd put pins in all the little holders. Uh, before long, I started just giving her any task I could think of. You want to clean duplicates up in the system? Here, let me show you how. I mean, and so she's just working as a normal person. Like, not, no big deal. With such a heart of grace and mercy and just kindness and just such what I was telling you about serving with the right heart and the spirit of grace, right? And so before long, that starts getting noticed. Hey, who's that woman at the reception desk? Oh, that's one of our volunteers. Really? Well, she was doing this, 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 this. this. I know. She's a volunteer. Well, she's so passionate about it. I know. But she's just a volunteer. And so uh, not only did he get noticed by people in a good way, he got noticed in a bad way. Why are you up there volunteering? You just trying to get a job there? You just trying to do this? You just trying? And so uh, before long, everyone's noticing her. Next thing you know, she's in our walkthroughs as we're getting ready for the service on Sunday. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. She's in here. And, you know, she'll start sharing a little bit and start serving a little more afterwards. What can I do to help you guys? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? So this happens a little bit. Next thing you know, she shows up in our July training. Well, I want to be equipped and trained too. Teach me how to prophesy. Teach me how to uh, get words of knowledge. Teach me how to minister. So all this leads up to last week, uh, our preschool director hires her to be her assistant. So you have all these people fighting and fighting, wanting a job, and you never see them, and this woman shows up. We could learn a lesson from that. I don't know about you, but we could learn a lesson from that. Because most of the time, uh, we hire people that are already doing what it is that we need them to do, right? I don't need to go and create it. I just need you to do what you're passionate about. And let that passion start flowing out of you. You start serving. God's going to open a door. It says your gift will make room for you. You start using what he's given you. He's going to open that door for you and put you right where he needs you to be.
Number three, this is one of my favorites because it applies to me almost weekly. How do you handle authority? If you're going to be a spiritual son or daughter, you've got to figure out how to submit to spiritual authority. Now, I'm not talking about somebody lording over you, manipulating you. Let's just assume it's a good spiritual father you're submitting to. You have to learn how to submit to authority. And I'll be so bold to say, even if it's not a good spiritual father, you've got to learn how to submit to authority. Every great person that you read about served someone else's ministry, submitted to someone else. Um, when Holly first started at, uh, at Word Alive, we had a rough first year. <laughs> We'd moved from a, a huge house into a really small house, and that was a big change for us. I went to making a lot of money to not making a lot of money. That was a big change for us, especially that part, right? Uh, and then not only that, we're now interacting and, and, and going back and forth with all kind of different personalities and people and staff, and we haven't been doing that. And Holly at the time had been a stay-at-home uh, mom and wife for a while since I was in sales. So she wasn't working and not used to every day I'm going to be at the office and every day I've got to deal with this. And uh, someone was telling her about spiritual authority because she's great at submitting to spiritual authority. And they told her something that would, that's really good for us to take with us, which is God sometimes uses people and things and situations to rub off the rough edges that you've brought with you. It's that whole iron sharpening iron thing, right? You've got to keep, you've got to have some friction. You've got to rub back and forth in order to get those rough edges off. If you look at Lester Summerall, we talked about him earlier. He submitted to a man named Howard Carter. If you look at, uh, there's a great uh, prophet in Africa named Benson Idahosa. He submitted and served to Frida Lindsay, who was over Christ for the Nations. If you look at Benny Hinn, he served with Catherine Kuhlman. If you look at Kent Maddox, I know him. He served under Benny Hinn, right? I serve under Kent. It's out back and forth. Every person serves under someone's authority, and you've got to learn how to do that well. Submission and honor to authority identifies whether you want to live as a slave or a son because you are the one that puts yourself in that bondage. You have all the power. It's actually opposite. You would think, well, the person at authority has the power. It's not true. If you submit to authority, then all of the responsibility goes on the person you're submitting to. They're the ones that's held to the standard. They're the ones that's judged if they're mistreating the flock, right? Your only responsibility is to submit. Do you know how much freedom there is in that? If you just submit and let go and say, I just trust God that you've put me in this place with this person over me for this season... And whatever they say, I'm going to do. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. It's hard. But it's, it's authority. And that's God's environment to break rebellion, pride, and stubbornness that we all seem to carry around. You don't have to clap on that one because I know that was a tough one. There's some, there's some amazing, talented people in the kingdom. We've seen them. But can you get under someone else's authority? Can they lead? Yes. But can they submit to someone else's authority when a situation arises? Too many of us are so self-consumed, we want to lead and have no desire to sit under a leader. 
We want to be in charge before we ever learn how to lead. I mean, follow. There's a man I like to watch named Glenn Burtu. He tells a story about uh, uh, a summer camp for his youth. And they told him, hey, we're going to assign some positions of where you're going to serve. And they're talking about it with the leaders. And they're like, we need these people in the kitchen. And we need these people out playing kickball. When these, these people here, they took all the football players and the athletic people and they put them in the kitchen. Cooking, washing dishes, and oh, they just started complaining, right? And they had all the non-athletic people out teaching the games. We're going to play kickball. We're going to do this. And, and so everybody was just up in a storm. They were just so aggravated. And he brought them all in there and he said, at what point did God start making a difference on what position you were serving in? Because we're all serving. But when did we start saying washing dishes is going to be a lesser job than preaching? That watching the babies was going to be a lesser job than doing security? Or when did we start assigning those things? He said people would come into his church and say, Glenn, I've got a prophecy. God woke me up last night. I've got to share it. He said, that's great. I need you to go set up the chairs in the nursery. Excuse me? He said, yes, I need you to go set up the chairs in the nursery. Well, no, but I said I had a prophecy. He said, I know, but I said I need you to go set up the chairs in the nursery. Because I don't need a prophecy right now. What I need you to set up the chairs in the nursery. And, the, and the, he said time after time, he's seen people hang their head and walk out the door upset that they didn't get to prophesy the word that God gave them. But every once in a while, he has somebody that says, you know what, I'll go set up the chairs. And that kind of catches his eye, right? So he notices that, notices how they handle authority. Then, okay, you've got a word from God. Well, come on up. Let me let you share it. But I'm not going to trust you sharing a word from God if you're not even willing to set chairs up in the nursery. Right? In John 14, 26, it says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance that I said to you. What did he say to you? Remember the Helper. Not the worrier, not the worker, not the preacher. Not the evangelist, the helper. Submit to authority and just be a helper. That takes all responsibility off of you. What's your job today? Help? What are you doing? I don't know, but I'm going to help. Whatever I'm asked to do. I guess I'm setting up chairs today. I don't know. Let's go to number four. You will notice you're a son or daughter by how you handle correction. Has anybody been corrected in here? Wow, this is my people then. I get corrected a lot. Not as much as I used to. But one of God's litmus tests, one of God's tests for finding out if you're a spiritual son or daughter is in correction. Because in Hebrews it says what? From whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Now, he's not talking about shaming you. He's not talking about humiliating you. Uh, but honest and loving correction. Where all parties leave restored. All parties leave feeling whole. All parties leave feeling like they got the best out of the meeting. Right? Not, I got, I got messed up in that meeting or it didn't go my way. Everybody leaves going, wow, that went exactly like I wanted it to go. No winners or losers. Everybody's winners. That's exactly what I wanted to happen. The moment you start running a laundry list of wrongs and rights in a meeting, 
you lose all biblical correction. Or how about when, uh, when somebody starts saying, well, you know, two years ago, this situation happened. Well, we're not two years ago. We're right now. Right? This must be observed because correction is always uncomfortable. I don't know anybody that just says, you know what, I want to go in today and I hope I got my rear end chewed out. I was up all night thinking, God, if you could just chew me out today. Nobody does that. But being corrected, submitting to correction, it really helps you clear up any blind spots that you might have. How often do you sit down with somebody and, and you correct somebody and then everything seems to just take off from there? It was just one little thing, but as soon as you resolved it with that person, everything just seemed to explode. Something great happened in their life or their relationship or just one little, it's usually never a big thing, right? Same way when marriage counseling, it's never like he embezzled $100,000. No, it's always he didn't put the toilet seat down or he didn't, he didn't put the toothpaste on right. He squeezed from the bottom instead of rolling it or Right? It's never anything big. It's always something small. But as you mature, you've got to be able to be corrected. Uh, Mike and I were joking a little bit. It's kind of a half joke, but not. I love that Chad corrects people. Right? And he does it well, and I've seen him do it. But I also like that, he's, that, he, I also like that sometimes he says, you know what? This is just not the time for you to be here. You need to hit the road, Jack. He's not afraid to do that. Because he understands correction. And he knows, hey, I need this person here. And God's got to work on them while they're here in this season. And I may have to let some things slide that I wouldn't normally. Because God's working on them. And I can see it. And, and there's sometimes when he says, no, it's not. Today's your last day. <laughs> Consider this your severance package. <laughs> and you're out. But if you're going to mature, you've got to be able to be corrected. What happens when you're being corrected... This is a good one, and this actually happened to me recently. What happens when you're being corrected and you didn't do anything that you're being corrected for? How do you handle that? Because as you mature as a believer, that's going to start happening a lot. As you start taking on your role as a spiritual son and a spiritual daughter, you're going to catch accusations, right? The Bible says the accuser, <laughs> he's sending accusations. So you're going to catch one every once in a while. What are you going to do when you catch one and it's not true? Can you still submit to correction? Can you sit in a meeting knowing you didn't do anything and say, you know what? I'm so sorry that that happened. Can you take on the responsibility knowing that it wasn't true? We've got a great example in the Bible. In Acts chapter 28, Paul is in Malta. He says when he had escaped, they found him out at the island. It was called Malta. And the natives showed him unusual kindness. This is almost every meeting I've been in in life. No. Such kindness in the beginning of the meeting. Uh, and it says, but because there was rain, it was cold. Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire. And out of the fire, a viper came and fastened on his hand. A snake came out and bit him. While he was trying to start a fire to warm the people who were cold that was showing him kindness. Now, you follow me? So when the natives saw the creature hanging from the hand... No longer are they kind or cold. They said, this must be a murderer. Now, how do you go from the guy starting a fire and he's the one getting bit to he's a murderer? I want you to look at this. Imagine this as a meeting in the corporate world. 
Everything's going great. Everything's kind. And, and that kindness, because you're showing me, I'm going to go above and beyond and go serve you. I'm going to go get some sticks, make you a warm fire, roast some s'mores, get some hot dogs. And as soon as I get bit, you didn't even get bit. I get bit. You say, well, that must be a murderer. Right? He must be an adulterer. He must be a liar. He must be addicted to porn. He must be... We just start throwing our own accusations out of nowhere. Here's the problem, though. What they said was true. Paul was a murderer. So what do you do in a meeting when you're trying to be corrected? You didn't do what, uh, what happened of why you got in the meeting, right? It was just an accusation. But they start bringing up stuff that was true. Your past is going to come back to bite you. And it's usually going to be in this kind of setting where everyone can see it. So I was in a meeting recently just like this. And the meeting ended well, so I don't want to give you the whole details of it. Like the meeting ended really well. Like I said earlier, everyone left and thought, I won that meeting, right? Everybody was winners. But in this meeting, we were with a group of people, and uh, I felt like I did not do what I was accused of. So I just took on the responsibility and said, hey, I'm so sorry you feel that way. Is there anything I can do to help us move forward? I just, you know, I love you. I appreciate you. So I have matured, thank God, a little bit. But in the meeting, it comes up, well, two years ago, you know, this happened. And that's why we think that, you know, and I got so mad. <laughs> I really did. And I told the person, so that when they're watching online, they'll, they, they know that I said it. But uh, I said, I got so mad. And I wasn't even mad at the accusation. I wasn't mad at the meeting. What I was mad was that the snake had jumped up out of the fire and bit me. Because I did those things two years. I did those things in my past. And it came back to bite me. And for whatever reason, I remembered this story. And so I just shook it off, got upset, expressed my how I felt, and then everything got resolved and I left. And then I got to thinking about Paul. Because how are we going to handle correction even when we don't do what's being accused of us? Are you going to be willing to just shake it off, submit to authority, right? serve that person, not just with an a, a aggravated spirit, but with the spirit of grace, humble yourself, right? And, and serve, but with passion. Those are those things you've got to look through if you're going to be a spiritual son. So that snake jumps up and bites you and says, hey, you used to be a drug addict. Well, I'm, that's true. I was. I was a drug addict. Can you just shake it off and keep moving forward? Because what we see a lot is that, that, that is, there's no reconciliation in those kind of meetings. This person leaves mad, and I'm not just going to leave mad. I'm going to leave the church, and I'm going to take my tithe with me, and then I'm going to put on Facebook exactly what I said you did in the meeting. And if you don't believe it, I'm going to go tell the other worship team at the other church that I'm now going to. And now we're all going to post about it. And, and then it just explodes. We've all seen it in our churches, Right? So as a spiritual son or daughter, can you submit to correction, this kind of correction? I'm so sorry that you feel that way. I'm so sorry that that happened. How about I'll just take full responsibility for it? I'm, I'm sure I was wrong in some way. I'm sure it was my fault. How can we move forward? How can I serve you? How can I love you where you don't feel that way anymore? That's hard to do. 
But we've got to do it if we're going to be a spiritual son or, or daughter. We're never going to be a spiritual father if we can't do that. I'm preaching to myself, by the way. Good job, man. My last point, how will you know you're a spiritual son or daughter? You'll know over time. Everybody wants to be the champion right away. Mike and I were watching UFC last night, and uh, the guy came out talking about, I want this, I want to fight him right now. I want to fight the champion. He just won a fight, and he's like, I want to fight the champion right now. Come down here right now. We want to fight right. Everybody wants to be the champion right now. Everybody wants to immediately be the greatest prophet in the world. I want to be the next apostle. I want to be, right? You don't see many people saying, God, I, you know what I want to do when I grow up? I want to put chairs in the nursery, right? We, 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 we want to go from here to here without ever going through the process. You'll know over time. It can't be rushed, right? There's got to be a relationship built between all parties, why is that? Because without a relationship, there's no credibility, there's no trust, and you can't work through these things that we're talking about without relationship and trust. Do you think I could sit in a meeting with Chad correcting me if I didn't trust him? That would be hard to do, right? Um, we, we have a guy that we follow, his name's Ed Silvoso, that we've been doing a lot of stuff with the ecclesia, uh, just about being the church in the community, Right? And he says that he was walking around his neighborhood and he was just complaining about the people in their yard. You know, this guy hadn't cut his grass in two weeks and this is this and this is this. And he said he heard God say, Ed, have you talked to them about me? And he said, no, I haven't. He said, good. I don't want them to know you're my son. And it just kind of hit him. And the Holy Spirit said, how about you start talking to me, uh, them about me before you start talking to me about them? See, seasoned time will tell if someone's really serious about walking in the kingdom. Somebody could come in here this week. Chad could put, hey, this is our new preacher. He's going to be preaching with me. But only time will tell, right? It's got to be by time. In Matthew 7, 16, it says, you will know them by their fruit, right? If you read the rest of that verse, it says, thorns, thistles do not come from a fruit-bearing tree. You only know that by time. You'll only know if you're becoming a spiritual son or daughter by time. How will you know that? Well, you'll start looking at your passion. You'll start looking at your serving. You'll start looking at how you submit to authority. Then you'll get corrected and you'll say, oh, I remember that message about being corrected. Am I handling this like a spiritual son or daughter? You'll start seeing these things play out in your life because it's a process. And if you submit to the process, right, everything works the way it should. That alignment happens. The spiritual father shows up. Then you're correctly aligned under that spiritual father. And you start building trust and confidence. And they're sharing with you. And you're growing. And they're allowing you to do a little more and a little of this. And Right? It's amazing. It's amazing when it happens. And if you don't have that time, if you don't allow yourself that time, then you start seeing people fade away. It didn't happen fast enough. Well, I was at break free for a year, and I never got to sing on the worship team. Did you ever serve or do anything? No. Did you ever give or, or buy into the vision of the church? No. Well, why are you upset? Because I didn't get to serve on the worship team. 
Would you ever ask them to sing? No, they should ask me. They could have heard my voice in the back. Right? And they get mad and leave. Never spending the time to do anything. Hey, let me show up at the car wash and meet some people. Hey, let me serve on the dental day. Hey, Chad's get, they're giving the missions? I should do that because I know they really go on a lot of these mission trips. Right? Time will tell. Uh, I don't usually do this, but I want to give you a warning. Because I'm really careful about that. I usually get in trouble if I do that. Uh, do not start calling someone your spiritual father. Lightly. Do not say, hey, I'm a spiritual son. Unless both people have voluntarily agreed to it. And God has confirmed it with both of you. That does several things. It protects you from being manipulated and used and abused. And it protects them from the same things. We have a, a relationship with a young lady, Holly and I do. And we were joking one day. We had lunch with her. And we were joking around. And Holly said, come sit with us. You're our spiritual daughter. And so she came over and sat down. Now, Holly was just joking. But what we didn't know, the girl sat down and she said, why would you say that? And Holly said, well, you know, we've just been pouring into you. We're in a relationship with you. And we just consider you our spiritual daughter. And she said, well... Two weeks ago, I had a dream. And in the dream, God said, Matt and Holly are your spiritual parents. And so she tells us this. We're like, really? She said, well, I called who I thought my spiritual parents were. And I said, hey, I had a dream. Matt and Holly's my spiritual parents. What do you think that means? And she said, well, I guess that means they're your spiritual parents. So God confirmed it to her, right? Holly confirmed it by what she said to her. And then we're in relationship with her as spiritual parents, right? And she says, starts saying things to us like, you know, I would really love to start praying in the Spirit. How do you do that? So then we meet with her, and then she's baptized in the Spirit and start praying in the Spirit. And, and so we form this relationship, and things start happening. But only because why? God showed her, hey, this is who your spiritual parents should be, right? God showed us, hey, this is your spiritual daughter. And then everything comes into a llama, and then we're back to the very beginning of the message, right? Now earth is not groaning because everything's working together exactly the way God wanted it to work. She's moving in her purpose and destiny, and she's, you know, starting to just blow up with spiritual gifts. And I grabbed her, uh, if, if you don't know this, on a trip or just about anywhere, I'll grab you make you do something. Especially Devin. I love doing it to Devin. Devin, I need you to prophesy. Really? Now? And she'll barter with him. If you don't make me prophesy right now, I'll do it to two people when we get back to the house. And so, but she's, ex because of that though, she's exploded in her own giftings. Yeah. You've seen it here at the church. I've seen her preach. I've seen her share. She's now teaching this Bible study. Right? But time. Got to have that time. It's got to show it. It's always been there. She's, every prophecy she's ever gave me has wrecked me. Right? It doesn't have to be some long, drawn-out thing no one understands. She gave me one one time at Honduras and just said, take off your jacket and roll up your sleeves and just be yourself. And it changed my life. And I didn't even have to force her for that one. That was free. And I left the jacket in Honduras. I'm like, I don't even want to bring it back with me. And they kept trying to give it to me. That snake, that snake kept trying to bite me. I laid, the, I laid the jacket down, and every time I'd go somewhere, one of the little guys would grab it and run over. He's like, you forgot your jacket. I'm leaving it. No, it's your jacket. 
It's best to let the sons identify the fathers through God showing them, right? And God show you. It's, and it's happening all over. And it's, there's no age, by the way. This doesn't say you've got to be 50 to be a spiritual parent. You've got to be 16 to be a spiritual son or daughter. The, in the kingdom, there is no age. There is no time. There is Everything's now. <laughs> Should you be a spiritual father? Yes. When? Now. Should you be a spiritual son? Yes. When? Now. Should you be a spiritual daughter? Yes. When? Now. Exactly. Uh, we were, we, we've been doing a four-week training at our church, a ministry training, and there's a lady in there. She's, I mean, she's got to be 70. And just this past week, she came up to Holly and said, would you mentor me? This is a 70-year-old woman. See, there's no, there's no age difference in the kingdom. But she wants to be a spiritual daughter, right? Uh, same thing, we've got great friends. They don't even go to our church. But they consider us their spiritual guidance, their spiritual parents. So let's just review. And then uh, maybe if we could have the worship team come back up, I would love to sing the song about the presence of the enemies again, that song. Because, uh, and I'll share that in a minute, but I want you to just to review with me. Just take a mental, uh, a mental inventory. Let's go back through them one more time. How is your passion? If you want to be a spiritual son or daughter, I want you to check your passion. I saw it around the room. I was looking at some of you. Some of you are passionate about worship. How's your passion? How's your serving? How's your submitting to spiritual authority? How's your being corrected, right? How are you handling correction? And are you willing to allow God to work on you and take the time to rub those edges off that he needs to rub off in order for you to find your place in the kingdom? If you do that, you're going to be a spiritual son or daughter. In Romans 8, 14, it says this, For as many that are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're what? Children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. And if we're heirs of God, that means we're joint heirs with Christ. And it says, if indeed we suffer for him, then we will be glorified together with him. Right? What I'm talking about, about being spiritual orphans, is an orphan spirit. That's all it is. And we have all power all over all the enemy. Right? Jesus said, I have the keys of death and the grave. I have the keys of everything. I'll give it to you. Now, you have all authority. So if you have felt like today that you're a spiritual orphan, that you're not a son or a daughter, then you just simply need to declare this verse over your life. God, I declare that I am not an orphan spirit. Right? And that he needs to leave me. Actually, let's just do that now together. Just open your hands. And, and you don't have to say it out loud, but if it applies to you, just say, God, I am not an orphan spirit. And I declare that I am a son or daughter of God. And I submit myself to you. And in due time, you'll exalt me.
In Jesus' name. In James 4, this is the last verse I want to read, and then we're just going to worship. And I'll be happy to pray for anyone that needs prayer. Uh, if Chad wants us to do that, uh, I have no problem doing that. But a lot of the time, the problem is that you're expecting the person is going to fix your problem and not the Holy Spirit. And so maybe just while we're worshiping, if you felt like today, hey, I'm not being a spiritual son or daughter, but I really want to be, then maybe during worship, just come down front and just worship and ask the Holy Spirit, hey, you change those things in me. I'll still pray for you if you want me to and agree with you, but the Holy Spirit knows every little edge he needs to rub on you. He knows you greater than I will ever know you. And he knows the intent of your heart. He knows where you need to be. He knows where you are right now. I don't know all those things. Now, I'll gladly agree with you and pray with you and anoint you with oil, blow on you, slap you, whatever you want me to do, right? But the Holy Spirit will hit that place in your heart that only he can. In James 4, 7 through 10, it says this, your most effective defense against any diabolical mindset is to yield yourself in total abandonment to God. There is an encounter He's dreaming for you. You will witness how effortlessly, wow, that's a good one, those thoughts flee from you if you'll just submit to Him. In verse 8 it says, Snuggle up in the warm embrace of God. Experience His closeness. The sinner can come with all stains washed from his hands. The double-minded can come with a purified heart. In Christ, every definition of distance or delay is canceled. Put down your own efforts to fight for your rights. And let Him lift you up in the dignity of His presence. Thank you for joining us for the FMA podcast. If you want to go even deeper into all we offer, you can go to our website, freedomministryalliance.org, or you can email Matt Hobson at matt at wordalive.org for more information. In the meantime, subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us on the FMA podcast.